0: Let's face it, we frontliners see the absolute worst of humanity more than we may like. Definitely a lot more than the general population. And while I can certainly appreciate heading to the local, off-shift, friendly drinking establishment after a particularly difficult night, I'd much rather cope with finding whatever humor I can in a bad situation. Trust me, it's better than having to call my adult daughter to pick me up from a bar at 9 o'clock in the morning because I can't, uh, find my keys. My name is Jennifer Cosgrove, and I've been a night shift nurse for close to two decades. I created overnight observations to not just celebrate and share the often extremely dark sense of humor many of us possess, but to really dig in and chat about how allowing ourselves to find levity in serious situations not only helps us cope in the moment, it's also been scientifically proven to be beneficial to our overall mental health and physical well-being. So grab a cup of lukewarm coffee and a cold slice of pizza, sit back and relax, but not too much you will get us all in trouble, and just observe. Hey there, Jen here. Welcome to another episode of Overnight Observations. Can you believe it's episode 10 already? Double digits, people. This is kind of cool. Better than I hoped for. Anyway, hopefully, I will be able to continue this for quite some time. But hey, how are you? How was your long weekend? Mine was pretty good. It was busy. Yeah, it was nice to spend time with family, friends, and doing fun stuff. So I hope you had a wonderful time as well. And like just about everybody else on the planet, I check social media. I've been staying away from Twitter lately just because it's gotten a little bit ridiculously political. And uh, that's all I'll say about that. And I've Come to really, really appreciate Instagram. I, I think it's a lot more positive. I think a lot more interesting people are on there. New Moon Rituals, hey, terrific. Really fun t shirts, awesome. But one of the things that I've seen advertised lately on Insta is this handy dandy little earwax cleaner. I don't know if you've seen it yourself or if, if you're even on any kind of social at all, but it really kind of concerned me. Maybe it's me, but when I first saw this little set on my feed, all I could imagine was, this is what it would be like to be kidnapped by a sick, twisted serial killer, and how these particular tools would be used as torture devices until I begged for the sweet release of death. And I'm sh- at this point, I'm sure you, dear listener, have a pretty good idea how my mind works. That's why you keep coming back, and that's why we get along so well. But never, ever, ever put anything in your ears bigger than your elbow. I mean, my grandmother, my mother, my nursing school instructor, who was a retired Navy nurse, you don't do that. Of course, everybody uses Q-tips, which we shouldn't do either. But use common sense when you're using a damn Q-tip. It's you know, just around the outside. You don't go jamming that, oh, oh my God. Ugh. If you're going to use these, it's against this particular nurse's advice. But you know what? Please don't. Okay? Please don't. I found this guy on YouTube. He's called Dr. Paul. And he was really cool. It's, it's the, what was the name of the, the episode? Best Earwax Removal. Ever, if that stuff doesn't bother you, watch it. See what he uses. Warm water, spray bottle, a little nemesis basin to to get up the, you know, the stuff that's gonna leak. And yes, he has a small pick, but you know what? He's a pro. He's a doctor. And with this rinse that he does, you didn't have to go in too deep. Okay? Everything came out the way it was supposed to, not with these weird looking eyeball torture contraptions. I mean, eww. Again, my apologies for bringing up earwax. I don't know what time you're listening to this, and I hope I didn't ruin anything for you because I know every first responder, every nurse, every doctor, everybody in this line of business has something that they just cannot deal with. And I know what I just mentioned is a big thing. Mine in particular, phlegm. There you go. Snot. Can't deal with it. Hate it. Turns my stomach. All that. Give me blood. Give me guts. Give me everything else. But that. No. So now you know. So if you know a serial killer that's gonna kidnap a nurse and they decide to kidnap me, let them know. The only thing they need to do is sneeze and blow their nose. Or huck up a loogie or whatever. That 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 will do the trick. They won't need to do anything else, and I will definitely squirm. And believe it or not, looking at these types of little devices got me thinking about all kinds of different old timey remedies and how some of them did a lot more harm than good. And yeah, they seemed good at the time. But mm, yeah, not so much. And unfortunately, some of them are still affecting the medical community today. If you look on Google, I did a, <laughs> not, not to look up any kind of diagnoses now, but I did an ethics paper a couple of years back, and I looked up all kinds of different old-fashioned advertisements. I mean, there are some hospitals that actually have them up in the, in the halls just for people to look at and say, how could people have actually done that? But there are really cool ones up on Google that you can go take a look at for aspirin, cough drops, and all these things had that little extra something that ended up causing a whole lot of trouble. Okay, for instance, morphine came in cubes, aspirin contained heroin, as well as cough syrups and cough drops. Paragoric contained 46% alcohol with almost two grains of opium per fluid ounce. And it seems one could buy a cocaine lollipop for only five cents. And they were, quote, guaranteed to deaden that sweet tooth. I'll bet. And it was even advertised as the candy that takes you on a trip. Seems it stops short as saying in the most delightful way. Sorry, all you Mary Poppins fans. I'm not making this up. You can you can easily, easily find this on the web. Let's see. What else did I find here? Oh, yeah. Mrs. Winslow's Soothing Syrup for children who are having teething discomfort. The label stated it provided a, quote, natural, quiet sleep, unquote, and that the little cherub wakes up bright as a button. If you're like me and have had some experience in dealing with neonatal abstinence syndrome, these poor little cherubs in question are anything but. Certainly never heard them described as waking up bright as a button. They're awake, all right, going from zero to 60 in a heartbeat. One neonatologist I worked with described it as, imagine fireworks going off in their little brains yeah, sad. A little bit of a history of neonatal abstinence syndrome. Mothers were given morphine for pain relief from minor surgeries or melancholia at the just before the turn of the century in the late 1800s. And in 1875, there was an increase in cases of infant death that were later determined by mother's dependency during pregnancy on said morphine. By day of life three, babies were inconsolable, couldn't eat well, began to have seizures, which often resulted in death, unfortunately. And it only took until 1901, from 1875, to be recognized that this was a problem. And what started out as an experiment, giving babies small amounts of morphine to ease withdrawal, became a practice that's still used today. New research has brought us the Eat Sleep Console Protocol, making automatic admissions to the NICU or special care nursery for observation and medications like neonatal morphine and even phenobarbital for seizures less common. It also focuses on the mom's background, which is usually trauma-based because I don't know about you guys, but we can't rely on the, well, the bad guy gave me drugs and made me take them. Let's be real. People use drugs to escape and for whatever reason that's what's been going on and we're trying to deal with that help her deal with that trauma based problem or problems and this program helps mom learn to take care of herself and it gives her the tools to make healthier choices and it's doing really really well they have mentorship programs of moms who were in the same boat that have recovered that are still recovering and their babies are doing well and they're doing well and it's it's really really nice to see so let me ask you what are you guys doing in your communities for addicted moms? Uh, do you guys have an Eat Sleep Console program in your hospital? If not, look into it because I, th- I believe it was developed here in Boston. And I was lucky enough to work with a couple of the doctors that helped develop it. And it's it's really an all-in kind of thing. And it's nice to see. Hopefully be able to do something. If not for the moms, then definitely for the babies because they didn't ask for any of it. What else? Any memories of your Grandparents, parents having old-fashioned bottles in the medicine cabinet that looked really cool and you had no idea what they were about. Anybody out there collect these types of bottles? They look kind of like they'd be kind of a fun little talking point for parties, I guess. Do you have any more of those morphine cubes? I'm sorry, that's terrible. I haven't finished my coffee yet. Anyway, that's it for me. I would love to hear about anything that you have to say. OvernightObservations.com or OvernightObservations at gmail.com. Thanks, as always, for listening. Take care, stay healthy and safe, and I'll catch you on the flip side. Ciao. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Overnight Observations, Diary of a Night Shift Nurse. If you've laughed a little or a lot learned something in the process, I've done my job. For more respectfully irreverent humor and the scientific proof that it's actually good for you, subscribe, rate, and review. Don't forget that a little bit of levity goes a long way to leaving some of the darkness behind. The sun always rises. Greet it with a grin. Thanks for listening.